Welcome to Conversations with Anne Elizabeth, the podcast inspired by my book, I'm Registered Dietitian, Now What?, where I have the absolute joy to sit back, relax, and have a conversation about nutrition with a variety of people who share their personal story of passion and purpose, especially registered dietitians. Today's conversation is with Stephanie Claremont, a registered dietitian based out of Canada and the founder and lead facilitator at The Leverage Practice, where she shares her own experiences to help other health professionals develop, launch, and deliver health programs. Please enjoy my conversation with Stephanie. All right. Well, I'm excited to chat with you today. I thoroughly enjoyed meeting you in person at Fancy. That was fantastic. But I didn't really know a lot about you. I didn't really, I mean, I think we followed each other and we kind of chatted here back and forth, but I think you're doing such great things and have been for a long time, which I think has gone under under my radar. Mm -hmm. But I would love for you to start first and foremost, where you kind of got interested in dietetics, what drew you to becoming a dietitian and kind of your history with that. Sure. Yeah. Well, I mean, my story starts in high school. I feel like some of us start in high school with our ideas of what we want to do. And I remember looking through the physical books in my high school, um, whatever the room was where your advisors were and trying uh-huh. to find out like, what program am I going to go do? And at the time I was, you know, 17 years old, I guess. And I was really interested in health and wellness, but from a natural perspective. So at that time, 2000, I guess, you know, I was looking at college programs that were, I don't even know what they were in, but it was more like holistic health. And my parents really wanted me to go to university. And so then I looked at university and I was like, what is in health, but really taking like a natural whole body approach to health. And I leaned into nutrition because nutrition is really food as health. And so I thought, and so I thought I was going to end up being a naturopathic doctor. And to be a naturopathic doctor, you need an undergraduate degree in science. And I thought nutrition was great at healing the whole body and like kind of helping from this, this perspective instead of through kind of medication and contemporary medicine at the time. And then I was going to do nutrition and go and become a naturopath, I suppose. And in first year, I almost failed biochemistry. And chemistry. Chemistry 101 was what like our first chemistry was called at my university. And it, I got 50, 50, like five zero. And then biochemistry, I also got 50, five zero. So I was like, well, maybe chemistry, like maybe, <laughs> maybe I'm not present for me. <laughs> maybe I'm not the best chemist, but you know, I can still help people naturally through different approaches and uh, food. And, you know, I was, I, you know, I got into food and nutrition. And so <laughs> that's kind of how I got into it. And then I stayed in there. Well, at least you stayed. I think that's such a good message because I, I feel like a lot of us dietitians, chemistry was tough. It was tough yeah. for a lot of us. And some of us leave and I'm so glad you stayed. <laughs> Yeah, like several of my friends failed chemistry, first chemistry, and then they took it again in the summer. Or some of them were like, I'm out of here. Like, I'm going to social science because it's it's scary. Mm-hmm. It's really hard. Anyways, yeah. So I stayed and I've had quite a journey. <laughs> yeah. So you obviously went the dietetics route. And I know it's a little bit different where you live, but kind of similar to the United States of how you do an internship and mm-hmm. take a test and do all that lovely stuff. 
Yes. So I actually completed my master's degree and, or uh, yes, so I completed my master's degree, but before that in the province that I live, Ontario, we had to apply for internship and there are limited spots in internship. So after undergrad, I actually didn't get an internship. And so for two years, I spent working in the field of nutrition at a sick kids hospital at a, I, you know, a couple different jobs teaching in the community, um, at a restaurant to pay my bills. So I just, I worked like three or four mm-hmm. jobs for two years and I, I, I don't want to, I didn't convince myself, but I really wanted to be in nutrition and say, okay, I failed again. Now, is this really what I meant to be and what I meant to do? And I loved working in research and I loved working, teaching cooking classes to teen moms. Like I loved the work I was doing in nutrition and I realized, yes, I want to pursue this. I applied to master's programs and internships. I I got like three of them and I ended up doing a two-year master's at the University of Toronto. Um, And in that was my internship. So it was like classwork, you know, courses and semester and then internship, which was really fun. And I think I love how you said, you know, I didn't get one right away. I didn't get an internship right away, but you again, stuck with it. And there are job opportunities while you're kind of hanging out and trying to figure things out and maybe reapplying for an internship that you don't necessarily need that credentialing for. Is that kind of what your experience was? Yeah. And I think, you know, it also helped me understand for me personally that I didn't want to work in a hospital. So I was a dietetic assistant in a hospital and I saw the cases that were, uh, I don't know, more like le- not less important, but just like the easier cases um, than the dietitian. So I was going up to ward, had a clipboard, talking to people about their food, substituting red jello for green jello and like doing all this kind of <laughs> kind of work. Glamorous. And it wasn't necessarily the patient work or like, you know, that silly example I gave, but it was just the environment and the, the, just, it was just the way we worked in a hospital. If you know what I do now, it makes a lot of sense that that for me felt really sticky. Like I worked in a basement with, with like mm-hmm. concrete walls and I just, it, I, oh, I felt like I was suffocating in there. So, you know, I think sure. some of these job opportunities, whether you're a student or, or during internship or whatever, are so great to help you say, well, I know I don't want to do that, but I really love teaching cooking classes in the community that lights me up or, you know, working with parents and young children. So I, yeah, I think there's great opportunities to take advantage of all of them and kind of, it's okay to say, Oh, I really don't like that. Mm-hmm. So kind of what happened then? What was your first steps after you finished your master's program slash internship when you were navigating your future career? Yes. So, um, so I lived with my husband now. My, he was my boyfriend at the time. And, um, the very first job I got, which I applied for and really wanted was to teach, develop a brand new program. So develop, implement, evaluate all the things we learn in school, a cooking program for children to help, uh, what was it? To help reduce the risk factors for cardiovascular disease. So, you know, helping them be healthy weights and eat lots of vegetables and all that good stuff. So, but what's funny is it was really far from my house. So I, on Monday morning, I would drive up to an apartment in a small town, two hours from where I lived, you know, stay at my apartment Monday to Thursday, do my amazing job that I loved so much and then drive home on Thursday night. Uh, because oh my I, God. I just wanted, I loved program planning, which is so funny what I do right now for a job. But yeah. you know, when I was <laughs> 29 years old, I, I just, was I 29? I think it was 29. I just did this. No, I was 27. I was 27 years old. 
And I just did this crazy, you know, just moved, I don't know, to create, develop my own programs, you know, work with kids in the kitchen. And I created a manual. I created two manuals and I actually submitted it for an award and it won the National Healthy Living Award <laughs> that year. Oh my God. The first year That's I was awesome. a dietitian. So I was, <sighs> I just loved, I loved like creating manuals and programs and evaluation forms and stuff. So it's so funny. So that was my first job. And after about a year, I left though, because it was too, too hard. <laughs> driving sure, that's strenuous. Yeah. yeah. And then, so I, obviously that's so great though, that you found what you loved, like kind of right out of the gate and that you turned it into a career for yourself by having your own business. That's basically what you're doing now. Yeah, kind of. Yeah. Well, you know, there was a dip there and I guess that's what made me be an entrepreneur is because to get this, this job I really loved, which to be honest, paid terribly um, and was in a tiny town, like two hours from where I lived. Uh, you know, then I then I went home and I took a mat leave for someone at a family health team. So I was working with physicians and social workers on a team supporting people in all areas of health, you know, cholesterol, weight loss, GI, all that stuff. And um, that was when I, I, I couldn't find that it had been two years that I was looking in my area that I couldn't find the job I wanted. So about six months into that, you know, mat leave that I was doing for someone else, I said, I got to make it up. <laughs> I got to make it up. Mm -hmm. I had, that, that's really what launched me into being an entrepreneur, which started with a practice. It started with uh, actually going into people's homes and teaching cooking and creating packages that supported them with real food. I did culinary school because I always joke, we're like, we're lifelong learners. Like we love taking another course or, you know, spending another whatever. Oh, but, you know, <laughs> I finished my master's and then two years later, my husband was like, well, you're going to go to debt again for culinary school. And I was like, listen, I got to be good at this. So I have to take more schooling. So I did culinary school. I was teaching, you know, in people's homes, cooking, teaching in the community on local TV, doing all that stuff with food, loved it. And then um, switched, but couldn't make a lot of money. You know, you test ideas and then moved into doing one-to-one -one client work in the digestive space. So that's really you know, that's how I got out of, you know, I couldn't find that thing I really loved to do, except it was really far away. And so right. I started to make it up and then I, I tried different things in my practice. And um, so how I got to where I am now is in 2012, when I was working part-time at a family health team and part-time developing my business, I had dietitians and colleagues writing me, I'm not joking, every day, every day I got more than one email from a colleague who is saying, how are you teaching cooking classes? How are you doing this? And remember, I won that national award my first year out of school. So I had a little bit of recognition in the colleague community as someone who runs cooking programs. And mm -hmm. so people were just reaching out to me and saying, how are you doing this every day? And I was emailing and getting on the phone and I was thinking, no one's paying me for this time. Like, how do I support all these people? And the first business coach I ever heard of was Allie Brown. Do you know who Allie Brown is? I don't. <laughs> she's, uh -huh. like, she's like the first ever I heard of back in like 2011, 2012. And she told me in like a free resource or something that I could teach other people stuff I knew. And so I developed this in-person training to teach other colleagues, dietitians, nurses, um, other kinds of staff in public health, how to teach cooking classes. And a partner and I traveled around Canada twice teaching live. And then we brought it online because we couldn't serve everybody in person, obviously. So in 2013, we launched our first online program just because we needed to reach more people. And so that was how I got into programming was professionally to answer people's questions. And then that grew into my clinical practice as well. And I started running 
digestive online programs in 2014. And that kind of continued into (laughs) what I do today. So that's interesting that, um, so I guess when you think about, I mean, that's a lot, that's overwhelming to think about traveling across the country, like a road show of teaching people how to do cooking classes. And so how does someone come up with the plan, the direction The I mean, did you come up with everything from scratch as far as cost and where you're going or how did you find those people? Yeah, well, we had no idea what we were doing. And <laughs> you know what's so fun <laughs> when, you know, that's how you don't know what you're doing. But I don't, I had this, I listened to the, I don't know if you listen to this podcast. It's the Dak Shepherd podcast, armchair expert. Yes. He yes. is so funny. And I heard him talking to Judd Apatow about this, um, the art, like art, like uh, actors, right? And he says, they they have no chance really at being successful, but they have there's some kind of ambition slash ignorance slash, you know, just you just think you can do things that are pretty much impossible. And so we had some kind of like, oh, I can do anything. <laughs> I can figure yes. anything out. And so part <laughs> of it was that, you know, plus we had a great idea. And so the first workshop we launched was in Toronto, which is one of our biggest city here in Canada, very popular. And we sold out in three days. We sold out our, no one knew who we were, you know, maybe a little bit of, of connections, but like we were young people. We were like under 30, both of us, Adam and I, and we launched this in-person workshop, sold out in three days. We were like, Oh, should we do a different city? And then we picked a different city, another big city. So we went to Calgary, um, on the West side of the country and sold that one out. So we, we picked a couple of different cities and sold them out. Um, and we were like, well, this is a great idea. And then, um, yeah, then we, then we traveled across the country, but you know, uh, in Canada, we only have like three airlines. And so airline tickets are expensive. Um, we had to travel with a lot of equipment. (laughs) We had, Mm -hmm. we printed manuals, like we had physical manuals that we handed out. Oh my gosh. It was just so, so over the top. (laughs) Crazy. And we had so much fun. We just loved it so much. So, I mean, I just, you know, maybe I'm like a natural, I'm a natural planner, right? I love planning events and parties and, and running book clubs when I was like six years old. So for me, this was dream, right? It was so much work, but finding the locations, costing it all out, figuring out how much all the fees would, organizing all the paperwork. Like I'm a, I love program planning. So it was just another program natural. Planning you know, a project for me to do. And it, oh, it was just so wonderful. And I love teaching. So being in the front of a room of people and teaching and showing them things and listening to their questions and supporting them is like my dream job. So we figured it out. It was a mess. It took a lot of work. People loved it. And we didn't make hardly any money. And then we extrapolated on that business idea to grow and, and do different things. And I think it's interesting how you transitioned it to the online space, which, um, you know, that's where everything is at now. I, like, I feel like that's the online space is the best classroom in the world. And so at that time, I mean, there probably wasn't tons of online space cooking classes instruction. So how did you figure out that was like the next best place to get your information out? Yeah. And well, we, I mean, in my brain, it was 2013. We couldn't reach everybody. I'm trying to think back at what was happening in 2013. 
like for online, but not a lot. Right. And I'm, again, yeah, I'm, I don't think so. <laughs> no. And I'm in Canada as well. And I think, uh, the U S um, is ahead in a lot of different areas. And then sometimes maybe we're ahead in like one thing in Europe, you know, we all take our turns being ahead and stuff, <laughs> you know, um, in Canada anyways, with my mentors and my peers and people to look up to, there was hardly anyone running successful big businesses, especially online, even like this kind of professional program that wasn't run by the dietitians of Canada association. Even that idea was rare. And so, um, we just, we couldn't reach everyone. And again, this, this, uh, this I- ignorant ambition or whatever we want to call it was like, I can do anything. I'm gonna figure this out. <laughs> I'm gonna figure mm-hmm. it out to reach everyone. And, you know, I was, I was learning from some business coaches early on, just, you know, listening to, well, we weren't listening to podcasts. I don't know. You know, I used yeah. to order <laughs> programs from Allie Brown that she would ship me in a binder. Like I still have one oh, because funny. I'm like such an era. And so I was trying to learn about email marketing and some, some innovative things to grow business early, early on. And, um, in 2013. And so I don't know, I guess I just I read or heard from somewhere that we can do online programs. And so we paid in 2013, I paid a company that I found on online uh, from the other side of the planet. So they were on a different time zone than me to build a plugin for my WordPress site so we could offer our online videos uh, you know, so people could pay for them. And you know, on a website, we paid $3,000 for this plugin. And it's six months later, we threw it in the garbage because it was garbage. And then uh, we, we started to use, Oh, I don't know what we did next. I think then we like got a plugin. And so I was in the era when we had to use like the worst tools ever and pay a lot of money for developers. So, and one of the questions that I get a lot is people, people say like, what? Oh, I don't know what to do to create an online program. What platform for, should I use? And I'm like an old man on a rocking chair on my front porch saying like, you kids have it so good. Like you don't even know what we used to have to do in 2013, piece together a bunch of code and, and it doesn't matter. Like pick a platform. They're all way better than what we started with, you know? And so sure. I always joke with that, but we, um, so we, we got it out there and the very first purchase that we had was from someone who was in none of it, which is the most Northern frozen part of Canada. And I was like, yes, that's when I knew like, this is the future and this is the present. And this is going to change not just my business, but people's lives because that person would have never got to a big city to do a training. Mm -hmm. And so, um, so that was incredible. And, uh, and as you start to do things, you know, you kind of, part of it is for me anyways, part of it is following what people need and want and are asking for. And we were getting emails from people who are like, are you going to come to Saskatoon? Are you going to come to Winnipeg? Are you going to come to cities in the U S are you? And I was like, no, I can't do it. (laughs) It's no financial sense. And so we followed our customers. You know, we started with an idea that people were, we found a gap in the market. People were asking us about, and then we followed that through and served people. And, and then we kept listening to people and we recrafted the offer and then proof of concept saw people signing up from all over. And, and that's what really, it was, it was a journey. And so I always say to people like, first find that gap. What do, what problems do people need help with? Create your business or your product or your offer, or your program around that. And then follow the client and support the client. Don't just come up with an idea of, I want to run a membership for these people and charge 20 bucks a month and do A, B, and C. Like, that's super cool. Love your idea. Where'd you get that from? And 
and let's be open and flexible to what the market wants and where you're going to go in the next 12 to 24 months with it because it is rolling it out and seeing seeing what happens and then validating that idea and going deeper into it. And so then I did a FODMAP program and then I brought that program online. And so then I had two professional programs. I was teaching dietitians how to do FODMAPs because unless you flew to Australia or you went mm-hmm. to like one of two cities that Patsy Katzos and Kate Scarlotta were going to throughout the US, like they were just doing like a couple cities a year. There was no, no one could learn about FODMAPs and I had been doing it in my practice. So then I started teaching that online. Then I brought my clinical practice to help clients with IBS online. And then as you can imagine, uh, people started asking me about business and how you run a business and <laughs> how you got started and what marketing you do. And as I started teaching business, I, I never thought I would be a business coach, but as I started teaching business, people started asking me how I create online programs. And there's so much that goes into it. And what I found was with my clients who I helped them develop and market and sell their online programs, they did so well. They uh, got such great help from me and I really enjoyed it that that's why that's where my business, my which is my second business, this professional business focuses solely on helping people with this one problem, this, how do I offer an online program as part of my business or as a project or as part of my company or, uh, you know, however they want to do it. Some people, it's their primary offer. And, and you, and just to clarify, do you still do, do you still kind of do some of your clinical stuff or do you, is that handled by someone else now? That's a good question. So I still own that company and we as a team operate an online program for people with IBS. So it's exclusively online group coaching program with um, email support, food journal review and like digital tools. But it's mm-hmm. been rebuilt for the corporate market. And I actually partner with another company and they distribute it to the corporate world. So it's a, oh, it's nice. been rebuilt into a completely different program to satisfy a different group of people. And so that has a team. So I have a partner in it. And then I have, uh, I have coaches that support the user or the client. So I'm really hands off in that business. Um, nice. But it, That's nice. <laughs> very nice. So, so it still runs and, um, it's there and I've learned a lot with it and we still sell it and we still run it. So we're still learning. And, and that's lovely for me because, you know, as I teach clients about marketing and selling and enrollment and even best practices, like we put two, we put in our biggest year, we put 2000 people into that program and to learn from what it's like to put 2000 people into an online program. The learning I have from that is so different from anyone who's run a program with 10 people or 50 people or a hundred people. Like it's just such a different capacity. And I believe in the health space that many health practitioners can do that, can build a program that really helps thousands of people, you know? Mm -hmm. Oh, wow. For sure. So as far as, you know, when you think about the online space now, obviously there's a lot of people there and there's a lot of people kind of doing what you're doing um, I'm curious because I feel like your expertise is pretty vast compared to some that are probably doing it now. As dietitians listening to this podcast, you know, when you think about your business and what you do and offer for your clients, what sticks out to you as what makes you different and makes you the person that maybe someone should work with? Yeah, I think there's a couple of things. Like one of, one of my beliefs and one of the things that I do and I recommend to colleagues or friends is I want to learn from someone who has a business 
that I want or that I aspire to do or want to be. So I, I love learning from people who are running group programs that have like make X amount of dollars or have X amount of people or because I want to grow and be bigger. And so I, I love following someone and learning from someone who is where I want to grow to. I love that idea that I, I buy into that. Not everyone does, but that's what I love. And so what I provide to my clients is um, not just someone that's, you know, grown a, a small little business, but someone who is a health professional, right? I'm a registered, regulated health professional that comes with Mm -hmm. stuff. And so I understand what it's like to actually be digital as a regulated health professional in the online space, as well as professional programs. I actually coach a lot of people to develop their own professional training programs on, on different things that they're experts in, which I love to do. So I... I have done it for a lot of people. I am where you want to be with your online programs and I still run a clinical program and I have, and that's not everyone has done that. Not everyone has, has gained mm-hmm. that success and momentum with a clinical health business, which I feel like marketing and sales is very different for health businesses than other businesses. Not completely like some things will overlap, but you know, just understanding that market I think is really useful. And this is a hundred percent what I do. So I don't business coach people to just start their practice or do website, you know, or do social media or like my exclusive practice is to help people build a results oriented program so that their clients actually get great results and have a great experience and go tell all their friends and their doctor and everybody. And I teach them how to market an online program specifically. So that's my focus. And so not only do I have my own experience, I use a lot of research, best practices, journal articles, books, like things that are, are teaching us what's working in the online education market. And then I work with tons of clients. So I get to see what works with real people and then share that with all my students. So I think that's really, I think that's really what stands apart is all of those things, but absolutely very exclusive to this particular area, which I believe is is quite different. And I've, I've dabbled in a, in a variety of things. I was a spokesperson once. I used to oh, work wow. with fans. Like I've done all a lot of, of different things. So I believe this is a, a very specialized market. And so, so yeah, so I help with all those pieces and I've been in it so long, like since 2013. <laughs> so I think that comes with a bit of, you know, some street cred too. Yes. Well, that's what I think about our conversation. And that's what I, that's what stuck out to me the most when I was talking to you is you're like, I've been do I've been doing what's cool like right now <laughs> since 2013. And so that's why I was so intrigued to talk to you a little bit more about what you've been doing and what you've done in the past, because you have been in this space for a very long time. Yeah. And, and so you know, when you've been in it for a little bit, whatever space anyone's been in, you know, you can kind of see where we've been. And so I think that you have some better insight into see where we're going. So, and when people come to me and they're like, oh, can you show me how to make a course that I can make an extra, you know, some extra passive income every month from? I'm like, no, we did that in 2015, man. Like we, we aren't doing that anymore. <laughs> like that's not a thing. Yeah, like when, you know, people have heard with online marketing, like ads used to be super cheap and you could just put up Google ads or whatever and just like drive people to a sales page and sell anything digitally like back in the day, which is only a few years ago. But that's when that's where this came from. This passive income courses stuff came from that era. And 
it's 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 not the same and it's changing too, especially in the health space for what people want to pay for. It's changing right now in 2020, but what I see is in 2021, 2022, we will have even more free courses available from Google, from maybe your local hospital, like from everywhere. We will see a saturation of these DIY self-study you know, online programs and, and many of them will be free. Uh, they will have a different business model. But for those of us that have a business model that are selling services or expertise, we need a different model. We need a different type of online education and we need to make sure that we build our businesses now in 2020 where that product doesn't get obsolete in 12 months and you've spent all this time building it up. So I coach my students in, you know, uh, building something for the long term that will continue to make them money uh, in a way that still is, I like to call it leveraged, <laughs> like my business, yes. a leveraged <laughs> practice. I like to call it more leveraged than passive. So don't picture yourself sitting on a beach, drinking a margarita, doing no work, making $10,000 a month, but picture yourself having a balanced work week. Maybe you work three or four days a week. Maybe you spend time with your kids. Maybe you go to the spa every week. I don't know what your dreams are, but you know, you're working a bit more of a balanced life. You have a, some team members helping you get things done and you're serving the world in a really great way. So that's kind of where I, I see that we were and where we're going. And so it is, it is fun to be in it for such a, a long time that you're like, well, we did that. And, and <laughs> now we're heading over here. I think that's such good insight too, because I, I kind of feel like maybe as, I don't know, as dietitians, we're kind of a little bit behind in that area. Like now we're trying to get, like you said, to online programs, passive income, and that's not where we need to be that you just stated. And I think that's interesting with your insight since you have seen it transgress over the last years. Yeah, it's just, it's just different. And I think people will need different things. And, you know, I'm someone who's run the, um, I don't want to say the passive income, but the more hands-off programming, you know, where it's a little more self-study, I've run that model. And I can tell you personally, the results are different when people have support built into the learning, you know, and the research backs that up. We know from research that people get better results by learning in community, by learning together. And so I think we should be building programs and models that support our students and our clients and get them the best results. I love it, girl. I think you're doing amazing (laughs) stuff. Um, And I also love that you offer, I mean, like you're, you're um, Facebook, you do lots of lives and you offer a lot of free content for people that can see kind of what you're about and see what you're doing and how you can help us healthcare professionals in this space and be successful. Yeah. And I have a, a podcast. I'm a podcaster. Yes, I, never I know we got to bring up the podcast. <laughs> I never, I don't call myself a podcast host. Like it's not in my bio anywhere. Is it in your bio? I haven't added it anywhere yet. Uh, I mean, kind of, it's not yeah. like that's who I am, but yes, yeah. I mean, I, I think it's, it's just probably another leg of the whole yes. leverage practice, but it's not your yeah. primary focus. Yeah. But it's like, a, you know, you know, a lot of love and work goes into your podcast and money. Like I have a team that supports me in it. So I do have the podcast, which comes out every week and it is the leverage practice podcast. 
I'm very easy to find everywhere. It's just the leverage practice everywhere and uh, comes out every week. And that is a ton of very actionable strategic content. So it's not, I have interviews with people who are running online programs. That's really fun to hear other people's stories, but it's very actionable. Like I've designed it to say, Hey, you're working on this problem right now. Do these three things, ask yourself these three questions or whatever to kind of get through it. So, um, for anyone that's interested in learning a little more or hearing a little more from me, you could check out the podcast. It's on my website, theleveragepractice.com, or you can find it in all the places <laughs> where yes, podcasts yes. are. And I will link that in the show notes too, as well, because I enjoy your podcast a lot. You're, oh, you join me on the drive very often when I'm driving oh. to work. So, <laughs> well, I, I think you're doing such a great thing. I'm so glad that we got to connect to you. And I'm, I'm so glad that you're there for our profession because you know that we need it. And I love sharing you with other people. I'm like, oh, do you follow the leverage, the leverage practice? And everybody's like, who that? And I'm like, that's Stephanie. She's awesome. So I do talk you up on occasion because there's just people that are looking to do what you can offer to help them with. So I do, I do share that. Yes. Well, thank you so much. And, and for anyone listening who has a business, this is part of the, it's not really the game, but it's part of the plan, like just getting yourself in front of more people. So anyone looking for me can find me, you know, often yes. people, often when I meet people and they're like, oh my gosh, I've been looking for you for like a year. Here you are. Help me. <laughs> and I'm, like, I'm, sorry. I'm working, I'm working on growing, you know, so, so yes. thank you. I, I just, I appreciate you having me here and thank you for all of you that have listened to this episode and, um, yeah, I'm happy. I'm happy to chat with anyone about anything, but thank you so much for helping share the work that I do. Absolutely. Well, I have to ask you my fun questions at the end. Okay. All the, t- the tough ones, as people would say, why don't you share with me some foods that you enjoy? Oh, shoot. Well, it really depends on the season up here in Canada because it sure <laughs> is cold right now um, and depends on my mood. So Presently, shoot. I'm, I mean, I'm really, I'm back into tacos right now, but like kind of pretty plain tacos. I stopped eating meat for a year and now I eat meat again. So I'm eating meat again. Did. Yeah. Yeah. I did. And, and then, you know, sometimes it happens and you just eat meat again. So I'm definitely into like the simple tacos with meat because I eat the meat now. Gosh, I don't, I don't even know. I mean, I'm a pizza girl. You know, a real good pizza is the way to my heart. Um, you cook. Do you cook a lot since you love cooking? Do you cook oh, for your family? Right. I used to. I used to cook for like, <laughs> I used to do recipe development. Again, back in the day before it was cool, I would like do recipe development. I had a food blog, all that stuff. And, um, and I have a four and a half year old and a one and a half year old. Oh, so wow. I do not have a lot of energy to be honest. <laughs> to cook <laughs> at the end of the night. And I am so blessed that we have um, put in a nanny to our our situation Lovely. and made a budget for that. So she will prep dinner and we will have some recipes that are ours that she'll she'll kind of prep for us. So I do not do a lot of cooking. Last week, I did want to make a risotto, which is very, you know, I just wanted to stand in front of my stove and, and stir rice for 25 minutes because it was really oh, cold. nice. Therapeutic and therapeutic, probably. And it was, was, yes, I just wanted no one to talk to me and I wanted to stir rice for half an hour and then (laughs) eat this like hot, steamy mushroom risotto with butter and salt. And it was, you know, so it really depends on the day, but 
Sorry, that was a loaded question for no, me. No, that's okay. I, I asked. I asked you if you still like to cook. But I, I also think it's great that you brought up the point that you do have a nanny. And you know what? We can't do, we can do anything, but we can't do everything. So that's okay to take something yeah. else off your plate. And there are seasons, right? Like I, guys, I was the food cooking. Like, I mean, yeah. I cooked on like national television shows. Like I was in a contest. Like I, I was in it. And now I'm a mama. I'm a working mama. Of babies and I'm tired. So I, I do not. (laughs) I cook a little bit. I got it. (laughs) Um, what beverages do you enjoy? What beverages? Um, oh, geez. I will drink a decaf vanilla latte with almond milk, preferably from like a local coffee shop with a dark roast, not necessarily Mm -hmm. from Starbucks. Um, but I may (laughs) once in a while really want something like you know, from Starbucks, like a salted mocha or whatever they're called. Uh, and I drink lemonade sometimes when I really want like, I don't know, not water. And I yes. drink water <laughs> and, you know, wine, red wine, especially when it's oh. cold. Good mix. Very good mix. Um, is there any scents or smells that you enjoy? I guess I'm, I, I'm the lavender, you know, I'm part of the lavender crew that loves to put lavender in the bath or sometimes I wear lavender, but no, I'm very unscented because I work from home and I'm not around scents, you know? So whenever I'm around for any of you that are like in unscented areas, which I think a lot of us are in health, whenever you're around people with smells, mm-hmm. you're like, Oh Lord, you know, so, so, I, so there's not a lot of smells for me, but you know, lavender, I love cookies baking. I love oh, yeah. It's cold here. So when it starts to warm up and like you've got, you know, fresh, you know, from the winter to the spring and the smell of that, like, oh, that's heaven for me. I, I, yes, I bet that is well welcomed when that happens. Yeah. Um, Is there any music that you enjoy or things that you like listening to as far as music? These questions are the hardest questions I have ever been asked. I know people say that they're like, these are the hardest ones. <laughs> they're so hard. I mean, right now I'm listening to a great Danielle Laporte heart centered meditation. So I'm listening to that. I That's, love, I mean, that works. <laughs> yeah. Beautiful. I love, um, so I'll put on some meditation music like at the end of the day. I love, I listen to podcasts. So I love my Dax Shepherd armchair, uh, armchair experts. Love that. I uh, love my dietitian podcast. Some of them are out there like yours and music. <laughs> I mean, for me, it's, it's probably either really calming music or like dancing music because I have the babies. So we will put on a lot of Disney right now, guys, like frozen two, a lot of frozen two, a lot of frozen one also tangled. So I listen to a lot of Disney, Aladdin. We're into Aladdin. So I listen to a lot of Disney or like maybe some dance like Macklemore or Lizzo or like something, you know, old school, Justin, just to like pump up, pump up the beat. Yeah, have some dance parties. I like it. Absolutely. Uh, and what brings you joy in life, Stephanie? Mm, the babies, the babies bring me the joy. They also bring me the opposite of joy, but the <laughs> month old when he's sleeping in his bed, oh, the joy. Um, yeah, it's really, and I have a four and a half year old, right? So he's like, he's got, he's just him, his own human right now. And he's talking and has stories. So and so fun. For yeah. me, it's it, for me, it's it's those guys, but having those really joyful, fun, fun times with them, laughing with them. And right now, I would say like the me time, you know, having having the self care 
pedicure, manicure, going to sit in a hot tub, like just having some quiet, alone, like loving myself time. Those are those are big for me right now. You have to tell me the name of your babies. David is the little one and Deacon. Aww. Your boy mom, boy mom. (laughs) Well, I have absolutely enjoyed chatting with you today. Thank you so much for sharing. And again, I will share all the links to the great stuff that you're doing in the, in the show notes. Beautiful. Well, thank you for having me again. And thank you all so much for being here and listening. And if, I don't know if anyone has ever said this, but you have the most delicious podcast voice. So buttery and wonderful. Of course, oh, that's why so many people love to listen. Uh, your voice is just perfect for this. I was thinking the same thing about you, especially when I listen to you in the car. I'm like, oh, she just has the best voice for podcasting. It's like so Aww. relaxing. And I was thinking the same about you. That's so funny. Oh, well, thank you. Well, this podcast is going to be a real winner with the both of us on it. Yeah, double, <laughs> double, double the love. Yeah. <laughs> All right, Stephanie, have a good day. I hope you enjoyed my conversation with Stephanie as much as I did and make sure to connect with her. Her links are in the show notes. If you have any questions about the wonderful things she's doing, remember to be great always by enjoying each day and to start a conversation that truly matters.